Hi, this is Jordan. You are listening to the Evolution Exchange Nordics podcast, a melting pot of ideas and inspiration shared by some of the most successful technical leaders in the Nordic region. I specialize in the gaming industry and today I am your host. So welcome to another installment of the Evolution Exchange podcast. Today I'm joined by Chris Collins, Peter Schroeder-Jonkman and Ted Grass to discuss uh, at which point do you let go of a project. Uh, before we dive, uh, delve deeper into the topic in question, let's work our way around the room with some small introductions. Uh, Ted, do you want to kick us off? Yes, hi. Uh, thank you for having me again. Uh, so my name is Ted Grass and I work for a small indie studio called Bambino Games in uh, Stockholm, Sweden. I've been working with uh, that company for uh, uh, five, six years now, and we're working primarily within the entertainment genre of games. Brilliant, thank you for that. Uh, Peter? Well, thanks for having me too. Uh, I'm from the Netherlands and uh, I don't. Uh, I have a studio, but I would say I work on a project, and that's uh, that's a project of an uh, MMORPG. We're in crowdfunding uh, uh, at the moment, and uh, uh, it's a Dutch project with a lot of volunteers. So uh, that's what I'm doing right now. Brilliant. And uh, last, uh, but certainly not least, Chris. Hello, and uh, nice to meet you, Peter and Ted. And uh, as the others said, thanks, Jordan, for having me. Um, I am currently uh, Director of Communications for Ringtail. Uh, I started here very recently, but I've been working in the games industry for nearly 20 years, and I've worked on all manner of games from, from mobile to AAA, from, uh, and I've worked with budgets of zero to 150 million. So it's, uh, it's been a wild ride to get here. Brilliant. Thank you, everyone, for your introductions. Uh, so let's move on to the topic. So you've all got a question uh, or statement on uh, what point do you let go of a project? So we're going to go around the room, asking everyone to pose the question and the reasons behind it. Each of you will have the opportunity to give your take and answer the questions at hand. I'm actually going to start with Erla's question today, who couldn't be with us because he's unfortunately poorly. Um, so I'll kick us off with, in a world where metrics play a more and more important role in letting go of a project, what other parameters influences your decisions in not only letting go of a project, but decide on which one to pursue? And how do you weigh those parameters? Ah, and now we're all looking at each other. Who's, uh, <laughs> who's going to kick this one off? I, I, I think it's uh, it's uh, in the question. There's already uh, in a world where metrics uh, play more and more a part, and I think that's an interesting discussion uh, by itself. Like, should they, uh, and how should they, in especially in the gaming industry? So, uh, so yeah. So that's so we could already uh, talk about uh, the the. What the question has as an extra message, uh, except uh, uh, for the answer to it. And as 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 for myself, I'm on a uh, yeah a community-driven project, and that's a very different uh, beast to working on a project that you do for a client or a project that you uh, do for a big publisher. Or uh, yeah, so it also depends uh, how your project is financed, where the money is coming from who you are doing it for, what your personal motivations are. So I think it's difficult to answer in general where, uh, where, where you would stop. I think you would have to know what we're talking about, what, what kind of game, what kind of project. 
It is uh, definitely definitely an interesting uh, question uh, for exactly the reason you say, Peter. I think um, having worked, you're currently working on an MMO, and having worked on a lot of MMOs in the past, community sentiment. Um, my my roots are in sort of community management um, back in the back in the day when MySpace and forums were the thing, um, but. One of the things that a lot of companies try to really shoehorn is is attaching metrics to things like sentiment analysis and to these sort of less um, sort of quantifiable um, data points. And while that feels comfortable because, you know, you read a data point and you can kind of analyze it, when it comes to community sentiment, it's extremely difficult to, to analyze without that human context. I've worked with a lot of companies in the past who do a lot of kind of AI-driven or automated sentiment analysis to give you these crazy cool-sounding kind of KPIs or metrics. But the reality is we're still a long way from replacing humans when it comes to understanding the nuance of other humans so um yeah there's there's a lot a lot we could weigh in on i guess there um but i think from the question itself uh there's just so much to dig into uh, when it comes to what do you pursue and how how much weight do you put on those parameters you know if, if a lot of people played your game in the first week and then for some reason no one came back the second week what does that tell you uh, and as peter mentioned i think without understanding really what sort of projects we're looking at you know and uh, the issues they've had along the way it's very difficult to tie those metrics to really to really anything yeah uh, i've been thinking about this question a little bit because uh, i got the question earlier um, and uh, so when we have been forced to prioritize between different products, uh, for us, it has mainly been two parameters uh, that we have uh, decided uh, in favor of either product. And uh, first of all, we have judged that one or the other has had a higher probability, probability of uh, being successful and that it would require less resources. And in the cases where we have uh, had a project, uh, uh, where we have to leave a project, it has primarily been due to the lack of resources, both in uh, capital and in personnel. Uh, I would say that those are the main reasons why we leave uh, projects at all uh, at the moment, really. I think yeah. th there is something as well to be said about um, goals and setting goals and having clear, understandable goals that the entirety of your team working on the project can can understand and kind of rally around. Because, you know, if your goal is to make money and you don't make money, then it's obviously a failure and that's very easily measurable. But if your goal is something a little more, I don't know, uh, based in the world of morals or you're maybe even doing something charitable, then those goals might be quite different. And it's important to make sure that everyone from from the bottom of your organization right to the top understands and is aligned on those goals because once you start interpreting things in different ways so yeah i know we achieved like 10 of our goals but that 11th one we didn't hit and that was the most important it gets a very difficult conversation to have when you're in the throes of trying to make decisions on how to move forward if you if you think things are failing no. yeah absolutely i i agree there uh, for us uh, we haven't really come that far yet. We're still working on our main product, actually the two products, but anyway. Um, previously, we've been working on a much smaller products where we try to learn our target group, which is younger kids, 
the educational system in Sweden, how to work together, how to design for cell phones and tablets, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So I, I totally hear what you're where you're coming from, um, and um, it's it's good to hear that also for our progress progress in our own development uh, in Bambino Games. So it's 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 a really good uh, something to take. For me to take uh, with me from this uh, pod, uh, so yeah, really interesting actually. Yeah, yeah, it is a really good question, and it's um, you know uh, the project I'm working on. Yeah, we, we, we're in the third year now, so it's and you do have to set some limits. Uh, we work with a lot of uh, volunteers, uh, people that work for a share in the company, for instance, uh, um, and by that you take on quite a uh, commitment from people, and they they share a dream. And then it becomes very different. And I have a, have a traditional business background, and uh, then it was very easy. You know, we're, we're selling products; we have to make money. Um, but here, we're working on a passion uh, as a passion project. Uh, it's also supposed to make money, but it's uh, uh, but that's not its origin. And I think in in, in that sense, I compare uh, I think games uh, more to art than to business. Uh, I think you know. Uh, it's it's not just a project uh, product. I think it's uh, you know games can be life altering realities. We're creating something uh, really special, and that's a different thing to let go uh, of and uh, of an idea of then 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 uh, yeah uh, your your packet of rice is not selling well in the supermarket or something. Okay, we'll sell uh, tomatoes then, right? So so but uh, a game is a different thing, uh, and I do think I, I do agree with Chris. So for that reason, it is even more important to have a clarity on um, when you will uh, call it a day, when you will say, uh, okay, this is it, because you could go on forever uh, with something. Uh, and that's also not what you want. That's that's maybe uh, the biggest danger, huh? that's, that people will always be enth enthusiastic about your project, but you'll never just uh, quite get it off the ground. Uh, you'll sink lots and lots of money and time in it. Uh, so, so you do have to, uh, yeah, have have a have a marker somewhere. Okay, brilliant, brilliant. Um, lots of great opinions there. Uh, so, Chris, we're going to come to you next. Oh, I'm, I'm, let's throw this one out then. Um, what KPIs, considering what we've just discussed, do you actually consider uh, are the most important in perhaps a soft launch scenario? Um, maybe at the start of a project rather than the end. Um, and how do you actively work with improving them? Uh, I can start with that one um, because it's quite easy. Uh, we haven't really defined all our KPIs yet, uh, but for us it's really important to quickly get started with sales. Uh, and one of the parameters that we look at is the, that consumer become uh, paying partners fast. So um, I would say Conversion rate is at least one of the most important KPIs for us. Uh, that uh, the the percentage of prospects that are turned into paying customers, really, and how we work uh, with improving that um, is basically the classics: being humble, being responsive to customers' needs and their feedbacks, and really listen to what they need. And since we are working both with kids and towards school system, we, we do also have uh, some requirements that's important, like the Swedish 
curriculum for schools that we have to follow. Uh, and also we do a lot of tests with the kids and see what works and doesn't work. Uh, and um, yeah, th that's basically how we work with it. And that's our main uh, KPI, I would say, conversion rate. Yeah. Yeah, uh, well, uh, we 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 made a complete business case uh, at the start of this project and you need it for investors anyway. So there, there is a hard goal of uh, profitability uh, upon launch, which we we're not that so uh but yeah there, there is uh, a possibility of failure there because it it, it needs to be supported by uh, making profit and it's also for your shareholders uh, uh, important to do that so there are those KP kpis but it's also uh yeah there also is, there's also a soft side to it it's also uh, what you want the product to be and what you want to uh have it uh, mean for the community. We've got a large community of people that follow this project and uh, we communicate a lot with them about what we're making, what we're creating and uh, have, they've joined us on that trip and that fantasy and it's if we wouldn't deliver on that uh, we might be profitable but we still uh, would not have succeeded. So there is also a point where you have to say like yeah, you have to stay true to uh, what you intended for the for the product as well. And I think that's where games are also under pressure uh, these days uh, uh, by going too far in uh, pursuing uh, profitability. So I'm, I'm really happy to hear both of you have used more sort of uh, qualitative kind of KPIs than quantitative because, you know, if I'd, if I'd sat in uh, an Activision or an EA or, you know, a company that is uh, huge, you hear, oh, concurrencies and ARPU and um, UX heat maps, uh, Metacritic scores, those sorts of things, really, really, really like defined almost business feeling kind of numbers. But to hear Ted say, you know, being humble is an important KPI is, I think that's where the industry is headed because there is, and as Peter said, there are these more soft goals that aren't obvious and everyone's you know we're, we're all in this industry to 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 do things to work in the medium that we all like uh, that's a given but to hear companies now starting to think well what's important to us from a project perspective to me is is really heartening to hear because um, these sorts of questions around kpis can get very very important and I think one of the biggest, if not the hardest things that, that companies are faced with today, particularly in service-based games, mobile games, free-to-play games and things, is that those KPIs are watched like like hawks. Right? People are literally sat there going, mm, concurrence is down today. We had 10 players less than yesterday. It's time to start pulling the horns and getting people looking at this. When the reality is there are so many things that kind of influence that number and it could simply be as a holiday in a country today and it means not as many people are logging on so you know um i i've worked on plenty of projects where where those sorts of numbers aren't being hit in a certain time frame and people are pulled pulled into meetings and fingers are being wagged and all that sort of stuff so it's it is great to hear that there are companies out there that that want to focus on things like again i'm biased because i come from the world of community management but what players think and you know making products that at the end of the day um i, I always say i often say and a lot of people that have worked with me in the past will be sick of hearing it but the real currency that we're all trying to get is not dollars or pounds or euros but it's actually time right we're all humans we all have a finite amount of time on this planet and we choose to spend it in different ways some of us spend it in the games industry and spend our evenings talking on podcasts 
Some of us like to go running or go biking or spend time with their family. That quality time, right? We None of us can add to the amount of time that we have. So if, if there are players out there, if there are millions of players that are spending, you know, six hours a day playing your game then that is that, that is something to feel extremely proud about but also that there is a level of privilege to it because these people are investing their time in you so doing them service listening to them and what making their lives for want of a better phrase better or happier through changing your product that's that's a fantastic position to be able to be in yeah and, and uh, i'm sorry you you go first yeah, I, I think uh, a lot of uh, game projects are also easily uh, profitable if you look at them, you know, because it's it's, it's if, if you look at the cost of running a game uh, eventually, if you have produced it, uh, yeah, you, you can work out how many concurrent users you need to, uh, to create profitability. Uh, but I think, yeah, if you always keep pushing that further, uh, because that's the goal of it, uh, you lose the art in the game. And I think we have a lot of examples of those. And I think it, it's 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 a terrible shame if people that are leading uh, large game companies uh, have have lost uh, the sense that it's not uh, your making. And uh, within that, of course, every every art form needs to be sustained in some way. Um, but I completely agree with you. It's it's far better to to work on these things. Uh, more as a life goal, uh, as wanting to be meaningful uh, to what you do in the world, and then hopefully doing that in a way that you can sustain it and that it can be profitable. But uh, yeah, yeah, I, there are so many sad examples where I think that something that was really good and really great, uh, yeah, turned sour because uh, yeah, it had to be ever pushed on into profitability. And I think, uh, yeah, that, that compromises uh, the purity of your product. It's a, it's a shame. And it's not necessary. If we all earn a good income, uh, we can be happy, right? If we can live of it, we can be happy. So it's not, it's, we don't need to become multimillionaires. It's nothing good comes of it. So uh, I totally agree. Um, the, the thing is, I come from a background, both a programmer actually, but also as an interaction UX designer. So for me, it's quite easy to have that mindset being humble towards the user needs. And also uh, I, I founded the company actually because I wanted to explore new areas. I wanted to explore how to design for a, a, a mobile phones, apps. Uh, I wanted to explore how to design for kids because I didn't know how to design for kids. I'd never done it at the time. And uh, also, I really do love uh, computer games and I really love education. Education is really the, the foundation for everything. You can come from a very poor situation and become the richest guy in the world if you really put everything into it. And th that's where you really make a journey, both within yourself, but also economically, if you want to. So if I can be part of that journey for just one person, that would be so uh, would be really fantastic for me. So that's my main purpose with, with the whole Bambina Games, uh, plus that I think it's fun, of course. And I think a lot of companies could benefit from having a UX design or someone in a similar field within their sort of, uh, I don't know, maybe not the board of directors, but more higher up in the in the company to help them see also the benefit of really being humble and listen to your users. Of course, you have to listen to the company and business developers as well, 
but you also you can't forget the user because at the end of the day the user is paying your salary and too often i think that's forgotten uh, unfortunately and i want to keep having that mindset so i still do a lot of ux stuff on my free time etc just to be on top of it as far as i can it's nice i think uh, i share that with you ted because our projects also in part uh, educational um, it's, a, it's a historical simulator, as it were. So, um, and we've um, established, it's recently established uh, advisory boards to help us also keep us on straight and narrow uh, com uh, concerning the historical accuracy of our design. Uh, and these are professors from uh, universities that, and we also uh, have uh, set a goal to uh, allocate a part of the profit uh, if we'll make it to, uh, historical education and uh, research uh, for yearly grant. So uh, yeah, just to emphasize, just to emphasize, to keep the project, uh, to, to give it that purity, uh, to involve people that look at it impartially and also look at that side of it. Like is, is it also meeting these educational goals, you know, through fun, through gaming. So uh, yeah, I, and yeah, I think many games could do something similar and it would be interesting to do. It's uh, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 it uh, it adds other metrics to your to your design and to your goals. I think it's quite easy to fall maybe in a profit trap if you don't do that. Brilliant, brilliant. I uh, love that question. Uh, lots of great answers there. Uh, Ted, uh, we're going to come to you next. Yeah, sure. Um, I have rephrased my question a little bit. It's still the same, but I rephrased it a little bit because the one I sent you was a little bit, well, poorly, uh, I would say. Anyway, uh, the question is, uh, when a project is no longer viable, how do you reuse those resources? I mean, again, it's, it's a huge nebulous question, but I think I've seen some great examples of just incredible games coming out of kind of the uh, the remnants of a previous title i think one of the most um one of the most kind of known in the industry is games like overwatch um where you know you see huge games coming out of what could have been something else um, what could have been an extremely sad time for a lot of people um but they get to create something they're very proud of um so for me i think it's it's working with the team and what have they really started to gravitate towards the amount of games that i've worked on where the initial design has been completely changed by the by the sort of the time they get to the end because it was one of those moments where someone was playing a prototype of something and went wow we've, we've got something incredible here if we just switch our thinking um and you know i've also worked on projects that have not really had a goal and have hoped that that would happen throughout you know um to catastrophic uh, results and I've seen the worst side of the industry you know redundancies and, and studios closing it does happen and it is a stark reality uh, for many people in this industry um, but I think that energy focusing on that energy focusing on what the people making the game you know Peter is is is, is talking about how games are art what are your artists getting excited about? What are they getting energized about? Do they do they really care about the item store in your game? Or is this this one game mode that is just people are logging onto it at lunchtime and playing it? The amount of teams where 
playtesting, you know, in especially for larger games, playtesting on Battlefield, for example, incredibly important, just insanely important. Um, and it's difficult sometimes because everyone's so busy to get people playing games regularly, daily, especially if you need like 100 people to log in. MMOs, you know, another uh, sort of game, very, very hard to kind of test at any form of scale. And sometimes your design needs the scale to, to really, like, prove out. Um, but sometimes there are just there 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 there's projects you're working on and people are just playing this one game mode every lunch people are queuing up to play it while working on it and that's where you really i think have to focus on on okay the project is heading in the wrong direction but there is still something there let's pull it out let's see what we have happy little accidents yeah nice have, have, have you guys seen that uh the documentary uh with uh, jodorowsky this crazy director that try to make the first Dune movie. It's uh, it's worth watching, and he's a he's a crazy artist. But he he worked on the design of that that film, uh, and he had ridiculous plans, and it was never going to work probably. But uh, but people say if he had ever made that film, it would have been the greatest artwork ever. You know, in his cinematics. But uh, what he designed uh, found its way, at least he claimed so, in all kinds of other famous movies uh, later on. So we see the artwork back in. Uh, uh, the aliens films and in Blade Runner and in the, so and he said that's yeah, all because of my project and uh, well maybe that's true you know and um, I do think it's a good thing to share everything you've got uh, if you can't use it anymore uh, because you never know somebody else might pick it up and go for and maybe you know so 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 we're working on this project it's a really ambitious project and uh, we all realize that you know us making it is maybe 50 50. So we already, and we, we tell that to our fans and our sponsors, we're very open about that. So it's 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 a mad ambition. And uh, if we don't make it, uh, I'd, uh, I'd want to uh, share everything because hopefully there'll be somebody else that comes along and picks it up and maybe they'll make it. And uh, that's that's the nice thing, I think, about a creative uh, product and uh, that, that you can do. So that's how our plan if we wouldn't make it that will uh, share it with the community uh, what we've got and uh, who knows and there are examples of uh, in, in gaming too where it actually worked and where where uh, or where modders in the end have made the game really successful you know by uh, by rewriting half of it and uh, and improving on it and then i still think it's a great success you never know i agree um how we do is uh, when we started, we had a few smaller apps. We were testing out different frameworks, testing out design ideas, testing out you know everything, Google Play, App Store, etc. And eventually, we found ourselves in in a position that we could start taking the next step and start working on a more uh, a bigger production. Uh, but but we still have those old games. Uh, and uh, what uh, what I've decided is that we're going to keep those games and we're going to use them for interns. Because oh, nice. there are a lot of gaming yeah. schools in Sweden and it's very hard for those guys to get some internship. And since we have these old games that doesn't really matter for us, I decided, okay, they can take one of the games, they can work with the graphics or game design or coding and really work with a production that we're going to put out on Google Play, on App Store. They're going to work with us on the games 
and then really have something to show up and not show up to show for a potential employer. Unfortunately, we can't hire everyone that we that we work with, but at least we can do a little bit for them in their education, try to sort of do what we can to help them to enhance their curriculum or their CV. Uh, so so that, that's that's what we do uh, with, with our, our old games, our products that uh, are not really interesting and not viable anymore. Uh, and so far, I think it's worked out fairly well, actually. Uh, we still do uh, have a few older products. So if any student is listening to this, just reach out and we'll see what we can do. Uh, the thing is, for me, it's really important to try to help out. At one point of time in the history, I was also in school. I needed some internship and I know how it is. I know people that try to get some internships. I have a lot of contacts with different schools and I say it's very, very hard to find companies because EA can't take in every person that needs an internship, of course. So um, yeah, I, I think it's important to keep that mindset and try to help out. Even if we're in the same business and like competitors, we're still like colleagues to me. And th the gain for me also, or Bambina Games, is that when they turn out to be really great designers or programmers or whatever, maybe they come back and start working for us. So it's sort of a win-win in the long run, and it's a win for the whole industry, I would say. Yeah, but uh, what a great thing to do also, and a great idea how you use your old uh, designs and games. It, it it is really nice. It's I think I think you're already successful uh, by training these people. And even if a project fails, uh, you've succeeded in some way because people came on board and uh, worked on it, uh, learned from it, uh, developed, and you played a part in that development. So I think that's already a success. We've got somebody uh, on our project doing uh, that graduation study on it. So uh, uh, designing uh, art, we've got uh, artists that uh, work on a sort of a win-win, like uh, the, the art they make for us, they can share and they make art for a, uh, quite an official project. So it's good for their uh, portfolio. So so we've got lots of win-wins there. And I think, well, you know, even if the project doesn't make it, We've helped a lot of people uh, gain experience, uh, internships, uh, those kind of things. Uh, so, so, yeah, and they can take it on, and they can, and they've learned from that. And uh, you know, but with us, they learn to uh, make really good historical, realistic art. So, uh, yeah, where else are you going to get that, right? So that's uh, that's really nice. Yeah, I agree. Love it. Uh, it's really important because we all need help sometimes. Um, if I can do my part helping someone, I, I gladly do it. It's refreshing to hear it still exists in the industry, and I think there's a lot of people that could. There's a lot of people that could learn from that example. Uh, you know, that have probably in much bigger companies, much smaller companies throughout the industry. It's it's education is so important. Um, I actually was fortunate enough uh, to go to uh, university in in Salford in Manchester, um, where I was. One of the, I think it was, I think the course had been running for two years before I joined, but I actually joined a BSc, which is a bachelor's course in video games, and it was like I can I can appreciate the energy that that the university was trying to put into the course, but it was so short sighted. The guy that put it together, uh, Ted, his I forget his surname, Ted, he he unfortunately left. Um, 
halfway through one of the semesters and he was really like the linchpin in the program so hmm. i know and since then gosh that was a long time ago now but since then the you know the uk industry has done a lot more and and um abate i worked with for a little while and they're really trying to to help people understand but the industry moves so fast right there's only there's only so much you can learn at university it's not until you you sit in front of that computer embedded in a team of like-minded individuals who are you know who have been doing this for a little while now that you start to understand how things really work in the industry um so i do i do think that you know even though we're wildly off topic here i think it's really it's really exciting to hear that there are pockets of a kind of continued education and, and people wanting to push that space to kind of make up for universities that, that can never just because our industry moves so quickly like i say they can never um replace uh, what you guys are offering so that's awesome yeah, I agree, and I remember, I remember from uh, university myself that, just like you said, it, it you can learn a lot at the university, but you can't learn everything. You really yes. need that internship in some way, either if it's a summer job or if it's internship or if it's just your first job, uh, where you have lower uh, expectations of you as an employee. Doesn't matter which one, but you, you really need it, and in the end, it really pays out for your company, for the country, for the whole world, for the whole industry. I think it's really, really important and it's so often forgotten that uh, without new talents, there won't be on the next generation games. Right. Right. So you're just shooting yourself in the foot if you don't help the younger people or the people that's just new into the business. Mm. Uh, so, so for me, it's really important. And I actually also uh, worked as a teacher part-time for a few years ago. So. I, I, I tested the different sort of um, positions, both as, uh, of course, as uh, someone going to school, uh, being a teacher, being an intern, being new at a job. And after a while, you really start to connecting the dots and see that hmm, if I don't do my part, who will? So, right. um, yeah, that, that, that's really where I come from, that you, you really have to try to connect the dots as good as you can at the end of the day that's that's what's important and try to help other people i think mm. brilliant i'm going to take this opportunity to plug a previous podcast we've actually done on uh, developing people in the gaming industry so if anyone listening wants to go and listen to that please go on our spotify for that one because it very interesting listening to you guys your take on that uh, we have done a podcast on it as well, but I think we could do many more podcasts on it. Uh, there's very different ways and views about that, uh, definitely. Uh, so last, but certainly not least, uh, Peter, are you ready with your question? Yeah, sure. And uh, well, it's, it's maybe a bit of a personal question for you guys also. Uh, uh, what projects would you continue to passionately pursue despite of the metrics? You know, it's it's and has there been one? Has there been a project that you haven't let go or or still are uh, having your mind like I still want to make this happen one day? Or? Oof. I mean, uh, for me, I think passion. I've worked on. I've been fortunate enough to work on like a number of Star Wars games, and as growing up as a kid. I love Star Wars. I absolutely adore it. It's, it still can't stop my parents from buying me Star Wars related paraphernalia every Christmas. But it, 
you know, working on those games, and I think um, you know, Battlefront Two is one of them. One of them that I worked on, and it was really, really, really exciting to see and support the the team uh, kind of behind that. It didn't didn't release, for example, to its most uh, uh, to, to some of the goals that were set internally. Should I say to recall some of the things we we're talking about earlier on? And the players certainly weren't um, happy about it. But the team was so energized, and it was a much smaller team, you know, than than was working on it prior to launch. But they were so energized and so passionate, and the community, the players themselves, were so just. They wanted it to be something that it wasn't, but they weren't just, you know, giving up on it and going away. They were still playing it. Mm. Still an act, a very active player base in that game today. And it really was it was quite exciting to, to, to work with a team and just just see them from afar and how much they were able to turn it into something that they were passionately proud of and would have carried on working. They'd still be working on it today if it was possible. Um, because it, and, and it's been a long time since I've really felt that energy from a lot of people. So if there is if there is a project where maybe it's not fiscally responsible to continue with it, <laughs> should we say, but there is a there is a passionate development team attached to it and there is a passionate player base that wants it to be more. I, I think it, it, I've, there's probably a, quite a few examples where it's been the, the team has found a way to continue it, whether that's with the same development team, whether they splinter off into something else or whatever. But if that passion is there, that energy is there, it feels like a waste or it feels like maybe even even the opposite. Maybe it's actually kind of it will negatively impact people, particularly developers that have spent years working on it and have poured what they feel is their life. You know, we talked about time earlier on. They poured that into it. It would be a shame to throw it away. Not ignoring sunk cost fallacy, of course. That is yeah. something we all have to deal with from time to time. But I think if that passion is there and that energy is there, there's got to yeah. be something. And that makes the game industry unique, doesn't it? Those kind of things, because it's that's not what you find in business generally. Oh. So, uh, yeah. lucky us. Yeah. Um, I don't know if there's any specific project uh, that I would continue no matter what. The, the thing is, uh, as a UX designer, you have to learn to sort of kill your darlings. Um, at the same time, I'm also a human being, of course, and I have my interest and my interests are education. That That's what I'm really passionate about. Um, so I, I would rather say that maybe not a specific product or project, but I would probably never leave the edutainment business in full, even if I would get another job as fireman or I don't know, car mechanics or whatever, I would probably still working some way in edutainment. Uh, and it it could be for schools or it could actually be like, uh, I don't know, training kids in soccer or martial arts or whatever, but something training, helping other people success or succeed in in their life to try to help them, motivate them, get them to be better in whatever they do as far as I can. So more like lifestyle, uh, I would say that I would never let go, I think. Yeah. Nice. There's, al there's also teams as well. I think, you know, one of the projects that I've worked on, the um, company called Real Time Worlds that no longer exists today. I think that's one of these projects where it did fail. And unfortunately, um, you know, it, it it tanks the company in the UK. It's it's administration is a is is a is something that's very strong and it happens to a lot of companies. But for real time worlds, the energy 
kind of of the of the team that was there, we were forced to stop. There was no two ways about it. The the government shut the company down. But if people had the chance to carry on to to still work on it, even for free, the I am I, I, um, I expect like ninety five percent of the company would want to do it because of the camaraderie we built, because of the way that you know everything that we we'd poured into that game. Um, just yeah, wasn't our choice. Yeah, still amazing to experience that. Yeah, I have my origin in uh, in in the far more boring financial industry. So and it's not it's it's for a reason that I left it, but you just don't see that there. That's, that mm. that that kind of passion doesn't exist. And uh, and uh, yeah, that's uh, that uh, that kills people inside. I think so. It's it's a good thing if you miss that. It's a good thing to get into the game industry instead. Mm. Brilliant, brilliant. Uh, so we'll leave it there. Uh, and this has been the Evolution Exchange podcast. I want to take this opportunity to thank the guests today, Ted, Peter and Chris, for providing their insights into this topic. And thanks everyone for listening. If you would like to get involved in one of our upcoming podcasts, uh, reach out to me on LinkedIn or by email at jordan.lound at evolution-nordics.com. And I will see you all next time.